0: Hello and welcome to The Veteran's Journey, the show that shines a light onto the journey servicemen and women face as they transition from serving our country to civilian life. Today, we are joined, as always, by Will Simmons and our guest, Julian chapeau Lemay, a 19-year career veteran. Good morning, Julian. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks very much for joining us. I greatly appreciate it. Will, how are you?
1: Very well, Jamie. Thanks. Super.
0: Julian, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, some of the, you see your career within the military. You spent 19 years as in, within the Canadian Armed Forces. Can you give us a little bit of highlight about your service career?
2: Yeah, I was a, uh, an infantry officer for 19 years, joined, as a, joined in 2001 after studying uh, philosophy at, uh, here in Ottawa, and I wanted to, to be all I could be. I joined the Army for that, and even though it was a, sort of the, the American motto for the Army, it, it 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 meant something to me, and I felt that the army was a place to was a place to go. Uh, being a, a francophone from Quebec, it was for me it was mandatory that I become a vandu. So I served with the Royal 22e Regiment, and it was um, a sort of yeah the, the the place to go. I'm not coming from a, a military family at all. It was actually quite the opposite. When I told told my family that I was studying philosophy, everybody was super happy with it, super cool. They didn't worry about what kind of jobs I would get after that. But when I told them that I, was, I wanted to join the army, it was a completely different story. So even though they ended up supporting me very much, it needed a lot of explaining. Um, so, so joining 2001, actually, on the, uh, I signed on the 4th of September, so just a, a week prior to the attack. And when, uh, when uh, September 11 happened, it was, uh, um, I, was, I was on my way to St. Jean. And, uh, and it, it felt like that was still what I was... What I wanted to do, I didn't know how it would all in, unfold, but uh, but I felt that that there was a uh, I joined at a, a purposeful time for the Canadian Army, and uh, and so did my basic training. I spent most of my time in Valcartier uh, as a in a battalion. I spent uh, four years out of trade uh, doing intelligence work, and uh, I ended up my in the in the last two years of my career in Ottawa doing a a staff job at the Canadian Army. Uh, HQ, where I was doing business planning. So it brought me a lot closer to, um, to this a center of decision, obviously, but also a, a place where we were dealing with, uh, with a lot of numbers, with the finance, with the programs, with uh, data and analytics, um, was a, a big part of it and sort of a, at a good place to actually put it all together and to, uh, to try to make sense for myself, but most importantly for the commanders and the, the decision makers at the Army. Uh, prior to that, I had the chance to do my uh, joint command and staff college in Paris. So for a year, I was sent to l'école de guerre uh, to do that course. And it was a completely transformative experience uh, coming from uh, the Canadian army is is very much uh, on the same model as the, the British, the American, the Australian, the New Zealand army as a sort of the same Anglo-Saxon uh, culture and going, going to France, which is, which is obviously a, of military, military importance and that has a real army and a real Navy and a real uh, air force, uh, but with a very different outlook on uh, its, its place in the world and its, uh, its, uh, its relationship with history as well and the, the nation that it had, uh, the nation that it built and also the, the people that it had uh, colonized and the countries that it, it had uh, occupied so it was very interesting to sort of come out of that Canadian framework that was that is very culturally American and very structurally British, and to go uh, and to work uh, work with the French. Well, wow,
0: that sounds fantastic, Julian. I mean, I, I'm listening to you talk about your your history within the service over 19 years, and and I would suggest that that most of us that didn't spend time in the military, if you hadn't started with, I started my basic training at. And you went on to say, I did intelligence work, business planning, finance. I did my education in Paris. This would sound like somebody that has uh, an elite education, an incredible training history. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the training that you went through within the military that perhaps we as civilians and those that that hire and, and, and have job opportunities don't necessarily connect the dots between a military service type training. We think of maybe running through the, through the fields and through the jungle, as opposed to business planning. Can
2: you talk a little bit about that? The, I guess that's one of the beauty of the uh, military service. And that's, that, that, that is one of the things that appealed to me was the fact that I would be continually trained and continually in a position to improve myself. So the, the military works, obviously there's the basic training where you, you, you learn your trade and then Immediately after you've done that, you, you move on to uh, putting that into use. And the way that the Army, for the officers, but it's the same thing for the enlisted men and women, is that they, you get your training and then you use it, and then they put you in a position right away after school or after, after your training, where you're tested into it and where you're mentored in it. And so you go, for an infantry officer, the way it works is that you get your basic training, you go serve as a platoon commander, so the first job that I had at the age of 25 was to, to command uh, 40 uh, 40 soldiers uh, in a battalion, and and obviously you're you're mentored by your, your your superiors, but also you're mentored by your by your sergeant, by your warrant officer, by your subordinates, and you learn a lot from, from that. So it is an environment where they, that's the only thing they've had are are young officers that are coming with almost no life experience or very little, and almost no experience of the, of the field or the, the, the job that they're about to do. So they're used to building these officers. And, um, and so you do that for two, three years. In my case, I had the chance to do it for, for two years, and it ended with a deployment to, to Bosnia with, with my platoon to do security of a, of a camp there that was being dismantled uh, because Canada was, was pulling out of, of Bosnia at the time. And after that, what they do is that you've, you've learned the core of your business as an infantry officer at the platoon level, and then they move you into a staff job. Uh, and the first staff job that I had was a, as the assistant director of uh, personnel services for, for a battalion. It's called the assistant uh, adjutant in a battalion. And basically, you're in charge of another team of uh, clerks and people that take care of the, the, the pay and all the admin that the, the soldiers have to go through. And, and so they they, they sort of pull you out of that core trade that you have. And then they try to round it up with some, some other skills and other, uh, uh, other, other knowledge. And then after that, most of the, the officer's career, you need after two, three, four, five years in a battalion, you need to move out. So they move you out of that trade so that you get some experience doing something else. You get to know what the rest of the army or the armed forces is about. You get to, uh, to uh, to experience new leadership styles, new uh, organizational structures, new, uh, new 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 ways of of tackling problems, and and so so that's what I did for four years. That was an intelligence uh, role that I did that I did that. And through that time, did a deployment, uh, got some more experience. And while I was while I was there, they sent me on a course um, on a six month course, six month long course to do uh, uh, to learn about operational planning. Or, or planning at the tactical levels, but operations, uh, uh, sort of running operations at a battalion level and brigade level. And, and so that's another, so you're, you're sort of out of your initial element, the, the culture, and then they throw you back into your, the core of your business. In, in my case, it was the, the, the combat arms, throw you back into that and sort of, uh, you learn some new principles, more, more challenging uh, situations that you need to go through. And, uh, and then you're tested against your peers and you're, you learn from them. And I guess I guess most of it is actually learning from them. Obviously, there's a, the instructors that are there, but there's a point where the the people that are around you, the engine combat engineers, the artillery, the officers, the the, the the other combat arms that are there, have experience in the field on operations, and then they teach you they teach you a lot. So they, they bring you back in that sort of learning uh, learning environment, and then they they set you back to to a new position. So basically, that's what you do throughout your career. So I went to to do that for four years. Uh, came back to the battalion. So going back into a, a more senior role uh, than a platoon commander, I was a, a started as a as a company twice. So you start to do some finance. You start to do uh, to sort of replace the company commander. So they groom you for that position that you might get if ever you get promoted and selected to uh, to command a subunit, and uh, and you do that for a few years and then move on to the staff jobs and while you're continually sort of improving your leadership, uh, your, your organizational skills, your uh, and, and just basic knowledge about each organization's function. And, um, and, then, and then at the end of it, I was at the end of three, four years doing that um, and doing some very staff jobs, uh, was promoted and got a, um, a company, an infantry company with the second uh, battalion of the Royal 22e Regiment in Quebec City so i commanded for a year in the infantry company and then moved on to the service company for for another year and that's that's uh that's sort of the 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 probably the the job for which you are the most the most prepared for because you saw it as a platoon commander 12 10 15 years before uh you saw your boss doing doing that job and ever since you saw that you've you've sort of been Thinking how you would be doing it. Okay, I would do that. I would not do that. I would be that sort of leader, or, and the organization of it is so so well known because a an infantry company in pretty much everywhere in Canada is the same, um, with some nuances. But the you can plug and play pretty much every officer, infantry officer in each of those positions without too much problem, and and so they get you ready for that position. I, I guess that's the one of the point in well in my military career where it, it started to be. Um, you, you get to that point where you're, you're truly qualified for the job, okay? As before that, you're, you're often learning on the job for the first, the first uh, months, depending on it, sometimes it may be the first year, but, uh, but, but definitely that job is the first one where you have all the skills, the Army has put a lot of money in training you and has put a lot of time mentoring you, and it, it sort of comes to fruition into, uh, into that role as a, an infantry or a service company. Um, and after that, that that's when they sent me to France after, uh, after doing that, that time. And then they, what they do is they, the French program was, was awesome. And if, if, um, I realized there that as a, uh, a Quebecois, a, Franc- a Francophone, uh, serving in the Canadian army, in my army, um, I realized how much, and co- being confronted with how it was working in, in France and working with, uh, people from 62 nations, uh, realized how, how Canadians in general are, are very much influenced by the British, by the, and culturally were very American. Uh, and in my case, in my case, I could really add that sort of French, uh, that French culture that has that uh, permeated me through my life. And, uh, and that was, uh, and I felt very comfortable uh, talking with the, the, the Aussie, with the, the Brits, with the Americans, with the, the other Canadians, obviously, that, that I met over there. As well as with the French, and it was a it was a great uh, and it was a great opportunity and a, a, a very nice way to, to sort of understand what what, uh, what the Canadian culture is about and sort of how we fit into uh, the Western uh, Western history in that sense. And most I would say that most uh, Canadians uh, in the army serving in the army feel that feel very comfortable being with the Americans feel very very comfortable being with. Any of the five Eyes community, and uh, and when you sort of add that, if you can speak French, uh, all, all whether you're you're French Canadian
1: or you're an Anglo Canadian, that connection with the French was very uh, was very easy as well. Julian, you're doing such a great job uh, telling your stories. You've already gone through my first two questions. The first one was going to be on uh, education and the continued okay. education the Canadian Armed Forces, which I think you articulated very well because I think a lot of people from the outside of the forces, they don't realize that just continuous training throughout your career, not just training, but education as well. And you reflected on that in your time in France. And the second thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, perspective uh, from being Quebecois and uh, operating in um, Anglo-Canadian forces uh, with the Anglos and the Canadian forces, and then abroad as well, which you also touched upon. As you know, with the uh, this podcast, what we'd like to do is have a um, opportunity to talk about transition and how those skills that uh, Canadian forces members or crew throughout their careers help them uh, with their transition. Provide some insight about, um, despite all the fun it sounds like you're having. Uh, when did you start thinking about your transition? So-
2: a question that i've been sort of looking at for a long time obviously the um we, we talked about the continuous training throughout the, the military career but i i on um, i i've also been training sort of i've been looking for those learning opportunities throughout uh, throughout my my adult life and so after i did my ba i continued and through the last 19 years i've had credits from from 11 universities i i completed two masters and uh and it was sort of through that, I'm saying that because that for me, it wasn't enough what the Army was offering. It was, it was perfect for what I needed in my job, but for that transition and for that, uh, I guess that intellectual curiosity that I had, I needed more as far as, uh, as yeah, needed to, to seek new opportunities or, or, or understand things that uh, my BA had not offered and that uh, I wanted to learn about. So between 2000, 12 and 2014 I did I did an executive MBA with uh, at the Laval University and and that's when it started so uh, an executive program pretty much everywhere one of the difference between an executive program and a, a regular MBA is that you usually have a little bit more senior people in my case it wasn't very senior but we had people that had built it built biz- businesses that were in organizations that they, they had acquired some uh, some experience some uh, and I saw some of the business uh, men and women that were in my cohort that I stayed with for with two year uh, for two years, and that that became friends. And I there's two things that came out of it. The first is that um, starting that MBA program, I I thought I was be I, I would be behind. I would I, I didn't realize how much the army had prepared me for to do that. And and basically. And basically, I was uh, what twelve years into uh, into the army. I was the an adjutant at the uh, one of the battalion and I had led people on operations in the field and garrison I had uh, managed uh, substantial uh, budgets i had uh, I dealt with complicated and complex problems i had, and in, in various parts of, of the organization, so from the logistics to the personnel, to finance, to operations, to, um, and I realized there that the army had prepared me very well for that. But I also realized that the the business people that were there had not had the chance to do that. Most of the entrepreneurs are not coming, where uh, a lot of them are not coming from large organizations where they're they're exposed to that, and so they had to they had to make with. What they had, as far as skills and experience, and it, it was very difficult, but the the agility that they had and the the ability to to just project their vision and to make it happen was astounding and that's something that the army for for very good reasons uh, cannot allow it cannot allow all of its soldiers to bring a vision forward uh, and uh, and and, and make it happen. It's, it's just, it's not the way it works, but in business you can do that. And you can do that in spite of, uh, of the various organizational challenges. If you're the, if you're the business owner, then you can, you can make things happen. And that appealed to me. And I saw, I saw these these businessmen and women uh, throughout, throughout the course, people that became the, my friends, but also people that had succeeded in it and came to talk to us. And I thought, well, maybe at some point, this is something that I, that I would like to do. So that brings me at the end of the, in 2004, at the end of that, uh, that program, and then went back to the Army. And then, so there's, what, five, six more years to, to do before, uh, uh, in the storyline before I, I quit the Army. And the, um, and, and through that time, I've continued to prepare myself for that, just in case uh, later on in life, I decide to do that. And, uh, and there was an opportunity in that, that fell to me, uh, last Christmas. And I just, it was the time to, to do it. It was the time to, to j- jump on that opportunity and sort of uh, exploit that. So that's how it sort of brought me there during those six years. Um, it wasn't enough to just have the idea. Um, I've, I've gone to seminars. I've continued nurturing relationships that were, that, that were going to help me with that, hopefully, or just, uh, Keeping relation, yeah. Keeping contacts that were that would be uh, that would be relevant, that it would help me uh, to make make sort of that jump into into the business world, and uh, and so so I did it very uh, very recently. But so it's six years in the making in a sense.
0: Just a reminder: the Veterans Journey is brought to you by CWEP, the Cyber Workforce Enablement Program, the Alliance partnership between EY and With You With Me and the exclusive part exclusive provider to the government of Canada for veterans enablement and matching jobs for IT service men and women following their careers, Julian, your journey sounds like you had an incredible career within the the military service. It sounds like to me when you were talking a little bit, and I don't want to backtrack too much, but I wrote down a few things like you had to move out of your core competency to try to train in something else, and then they made you feel a little bit uncomfortable with what you were training on so that you could learn new skill sets. What an incredible um experience to bring to any organization within the military or within a private or public sector. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that because I, I wonder if that's the same experience for others. Um, they have that that opportunity or was that, was that just unique to you? And then my follow-up question that is, Will touched on your transition and it seems like it was really thought out. And I know it's a new transition and you're in the midst of it. During a global pandemic, at that. So, you sounded like you were incredibly prepared and this was something you wanted to do. It wasn't something that was uh, unfortunately uh, like some of our other servicemen and women where they had to leave the military. Are there anything that absolutely shocked you that you were not prepared for in that short period of time? So, maybe a two part question Does everybody have the same opportunity you do? And, B, what are some of the shocking things that you wish even in the very short period of time the last six months that you wish you had known then?
2: Well, to answer the first part of the question, I would say that most combat arms officers will go, will have a similar experience. It wasn't, uh, it was in I might have had broader range in certain aspects and the fact that I did my uh, joint command and staff college overseas was a, an extra opportunity in that sense. But, uh, but that's the development of our officers is based on that, uh, on that uh, that constant challenge and sort of uh, yeah, constantly putting these officers in positions where they're not fully comfortable and they need to, to learn the job. Um, so so that that is typical. I, I would say that there's various. Obviously, I'm assuming that if you join as a as a mechanic in the army and you want to do a career as a mechanic, uh, you might not have all the same opportunities. and you might not go out of of trade to do a uh, to, to do a staff job, for example, but, but even then, it would be, compared to, a, a, I'll take the mechanic as an example, but it could be a cook or it could be a clerk, compared to its equivalent in civilian life, the, um, it, is, it is there still. They will have a lot, the way broader experience, professional experiences than, uh, than what they would have in the civilian uh, workforce. So that's, uh, uh, I would say that I was, I consider myself lucky to have gone through that. But uh, it's not atypical, and any employer that hires a, a military service person has um, uh, will will get that, we will get that agility and that uh, flexibility built into them.
0: You seem like you you were very. It was very a thoughtful transition.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I consider myself very deliberate in the decisions that I make, and um, and it was very. So it took six years, and I was waiting for that opportunity or that moment where. It would. Uh, I found that it would be mo- most beneficial. So I got an offer for from a um, uh, a friend of mine uh, that I I met through uh, the Governor General's Leadership Conference, an opportunity that I had in two thousand fifteen to uh, to tour Quebec with uh, with some awesome people. One of them was a the CEO of a company that does software testing, and we stayed in touch. And uh, comes last Christmas, we decided to talk about a few things and. He's talking about retirement, and uh, and he's he's looking into building a team to sort of take the company back to, uh, for well yeah buy it back from him, and uh, and he sort of says well there might be a place for you in there, so he offered me a job as a as a, as a VP in the business to uh, to sort of develop Quebec and Ontario, so I come back from Christmas leave and then I put in my my notice to my release paper, and in the army it takes, I was lucky it took what, two months and a half to release, but it could have taken up to six months. So, so it's not something you can just do like that and leave. And I had to make sure that the, I wasn't dropping the ball on the, the, the files that I had. At the same time, the, the initial plan, if we go back to 2014, I wanted my, I wanted to be my own, my own boss. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So what I thought was, okay, this, this path might not have been the right one for at this time, for all the reasons that that we know of well let, let's focus on what I initially wanted to do in 2014 and this is where I'm where I'm I, I'm at right now okay so I don't know if I mentioned to you but I'm, I'm currently in the process of acquiring a, a, a small company and, um, and so I made sure that I had sort of the, the funds to do that before I left the RB uh, it doesn't need to be that much it just needs to you need to to, to bring that sort of agility and that uh, uh, that that warrior's mindset that you sort of, uh, that you learn in the RME and that in the business world, they call it the entrepreneur mi- mindset, but it's sort of that same, whether wh- whatever the adversity comes, you're going to face it and you're going to, to find a solution to it.
1: Julian, you just touched on something that was really important was the ability for uh, former CAF members to adapt very well. And I think that's contributed directly to the training that they receive in the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, the Cyber Workforce Enablement Program, the CWEB was built With the intent of building a cyber workforce from scratch, which was essentially uh, taking CAF members and ensuring that they had the opportunity to train in the capacity and capability that they previously didn't have experience in. Um, Nonetheless, the reason why we felt that CAF members would be the best suited for this type of initiative was because of those cognitive and non-cognitive skills that they developed throughout their careers in the Canadian Armed Forces. You served as a company commander, and as a company commander, you were responsible for the day-to-day operations, training and exercises of 150 personnel. Perhaps you can speak as to the requirement, the necessity to continuously train and continuing to upskill, even something in the Canadian Armed Forces. You don't just take your infantry personnel from the infantry school and just leave them and just say, well, the last time you were at this school was five, six years ago. We expect you to do the same training that you learned there. Maybe you can discuss, uh, since you've, you've you're responsible as a company commander. You can tell us why it's important to continuously train and continuously strive to improve.
2: I guess the first reason is that the Army can't fail, especially when it comes to those core functions of defending, defending the country or being sent overseas and winning a war. So that training is, is critical. This, we can't go around that. The other portion is, and I mentioned I've changed my job quite often in the Army. I wasn't the only one. So there's a constant churn in the organization where you get new people coming in and often they're in, in different positions. So that's sort of six months to a year where you learn to do your job. Um, I wasn't the only one in that position. Everybody else pretty much in the, in the company was going through that. In a company, you'll have people staying in the same position maybe for two years, three years, at the very longest, four years. Um, but even if they stay in an infantry company, they'll be moved to a different position. So they'll need to, 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 to learn new skills, uh, new knowledge. And the other reason we train is that uh, the combat is a team sport. And so you need to, you need to, to know how your team functions and how your, your teammate will deal under the pressure and how, how you, will, uh, you will enact those uh, SOPs and how you're going to react to tactical challenges. And, and this is where training comes, in, comes into play. The consequences of your failure are, are just are just too high, that you need to be to, to be the best you can be, and as a team. Julian, that makes perfect sense to me.
0: But uh, so let me let me play a little bit of devil's advocate here, and you can help me connect the dots a little bit. Um, I've heard things like you're in a position for two, maybe up to four years. You're constantly training. The military has you constantly training. I guess if, if I'm looking to, to hire and, you know, we're, we're out here saying the CWEP program, Canadian Armed Forces members and, and veterans, they're a great candidate for IT careers because of the, the skill sets that they bring to bear some of the experiences. Um, that's great that you're, you're constantly training. What do you say to somebody that says, hey, you can't sit still, you can't be in a career for more than two years and the real world, you're not constantly training. So what? How is that help? bring you into a civilian life and into a civilian career,
2: if at all. I guess soldiers are usually, if you join, if you join the services, you're looking for a challenge. You're looking for an adventure. You're looking to be pushed beyond, um, beyond just normality. If the, if an employee can offer that, can offer that, I can easily see a, a, a veteran, uh, being on board with it. Uh, the, the permanence in, the, in a position, in, in an officer's case, you usually switch every year or every other year. Um, there's a lot of soldiers that will be in their position for, for longer than that. What does that mean?
0: What are, what? Why does that make a soldier or a veteran desirable to a civilian career? Is it because of the plethora of experiences and the fact that they can learn things very quickly? Is it the fact that they're put in uncomfortable situations?
2: Yeah, the ability to learn is, is probably critical in that sense. And the soldiers are used to that throughout their career. Um, and, and the civilian workplace requires the same thing, except that you're going to, you're, you probably won't be as formally trained as you would be in the army because the structure is not built the same way. But the challenges on the and, and cybersecurity is, is is constantly evolving and the, the, the threats are constantly changing and you need to learn to, ways to deal with it. And um, and if you continue in that career path, uh, you're going to learn that, you're going to. So probably every soldier that, is, that, is, that was happy in the RB will be coming to the, the workforce with that same mindset of constantly evolving, upskilling it. Learning something always brings you in an uncomfortable position and the, and the Civil War force asks the same thing and often doesn't offer that. A lot of a lot of people that will be in the same position for 15, 20, 30 years are used to their ways and they uh, and any soldier will actually be more responsive to that sort of those changes in, in the work environment, in the uh in the challenge that are brought forward to him and in, in learning opportunities as well. So so I guess it's a I don't want to minimize what uh, non non-veterans are doing. A lot of them are actually very, very used to that. They are constantly training. They are uh, uh, upscaling. But I, I think it's something that the soldier that was happy being a soldier for sure will have that.
0: Perfect, yeah, no, and, and I think that we were talking before, and, and some of the things that really hit home with me was the fact that um, being used to be put in uncomfortable situations right very task oriented uh, given given direction to do something and and the desire to want to see it to completion, all of those things do, doesn't matter what type of a job, and not only that, but just that camaraderie and that teamwork that's mm-hmm. needed. Within all that training, and if you can go from one position in the military to another successfully, well, you're working with whether it's in the Canadian Armed Forces, Anglo-Francophone, and then globally within the Five Eyes, you're working with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different countries, and and you're all pulling on that same rope, right? Which really gives that that team approach within the uh, within the um, uh, private sector and or. Continue to work with government. The Veterans Journey is brought to you by CWEP, the Cyber Workforce Enablement Program, an alliance between EY and With You With Me, which is the exclusive provider to the government of Canada for the veterans enablement and matching veterans to IT careers within government. So, so Julian, part of, part of your response was, was a lot within that training thing. Um, but you also had mentioned the fact that uh, within your military career and within any service uh, person's career, they're constantly changing positions. How does that affect the ability to work
2: with different teams? I think that's critical. And probably, this is probably one of the biggest challenges everywhere is to, to change the people you're working with, especially when you, you get to that sort of right dynamic, you, when the, the group has formed and is performing at the right level. And then you change the elements that are part of that recipe. And, it's, uh, and in the Army, for sure, in the, the service, everywhere, you, you constantly change, as you mentioned, you constantly change that dynamic. And what it, I think it forces is that service, service people will, are used to that. So they will get into a job. They want to get to that sort of perform level very quickly. And that they're used to, service, to other members leaving that team and, and sort of keeping that dynamic constantly uh, at, its, at its top level. And it's probably a more important, it's a soft skill, of, co- of course, but it's probably a more important skill in the end than what he learned on basic training or how he how well of a, uh, a machine gunner he is or how well of a driver he is. The ability to, to change his boss and to not freak out about that and not, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's critical and it's, uh, I think it brings a lot of value.
1: Julian, we saw in the week here, this past week in Canada, we've seen that uh, there's been an increase um, not confirmed whether it's by a state or non-state actor against cyber attacks against the Canadian federal government. So we just saw uh, Revenue Canada um, uh, had a hack on their uh, database internally as well as uh, other ones that have uh, preceded that uh, across Canada. And, and this is why it's uh, fortunate that we have the CWEP ongoing now because you need people that almost have that uh, appetite for... Uh, conflict, those that are cybersecurity analysts, not only do they have to defend capabilities, but often enough, they also have to go on the offensive. You're an infantry guy, Julian. You've commanded at the platoon level, at the company level. You were responsible for overseeing uh, combat arms professionals uh, through their training and their execution and operations. How do you think that translates to a program like CWIP where you have former combat arms that are essentially being asked to do the same thing as civilians. They're staying in the fight, protecting their country, and they're making sure uh, Canada's resources and uh, databases are protected. And uh, more often than not, what we want to do is shown that we have the capacity and the strength to ensure that future attacks uh, are, uh, don't happen or, or makes the, the bad guys think twice about doing it again.
2: I think it, it's a mindset that is, uh, that is absolutely necessary in that business. And whether you defend it with weapons or you defend it in the, in the cyber world, it's, uh, it's, it's that same desire to, to destroy the enemy. And it's, uh, it, it's something that is inculcated in, in, in our soldiers. Uh, they, they train for it, but also it's the, the ethos of any warrior to, to, to bring it to the enemy and and kick his ass.
0: You know, it, it, it's funny that you, you, you talk about that, Will, um, in, in the bringing it to the cyber. I, I've talked to some servicemen and women, um, and as we all know, there's three arms to, to the military. There's the Army, there's the Navy, and then there's the uh, Air Force. Uh, what do you say to those that say that there's actually a fourth
2: uh, arm of the military, which is cyber? Um, th- they're probably right. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> there's these three environments, uh, land, air, and, and sea. And then there's the, the informational uh, element that we need to, to fight on. And I, I, I'm not sure that we are at all ready for it. Uh, collectively, I think the threats are real, they're imminent, and uh, we need to get ready for it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would tend to agree with you, Julian. And uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing opportunity, specifically within the C-Web, for uh, servicemen and women to continue to be, as, as Will said, continue to stay in the fight. Um, you know, and, and, and just in a different, uh, different landscape in the middle of your transition. Now, uh, what you're, what you're doing now, you, you talked about the, the fact that you're, you're looking at a, a small business, um, aside from on your professional side, on a personal side, maybe how that transition has gone, uh, for you and your family, um, now that you're maybe able to set, set some roots and, and kind of cr- set your own, uh, destination in terms of you, you and your family on a personal side.
2: I thought that it was a deliberate decision to, to leave the army. It, I didn't do it on my own. For for the, I, I've been married for more than ten years with the same woman for close to twenty. We have two kids, uh, teenagers, and and so that decision was not taken just for myself and by myself. It was a uh, it was a decision that was that uh, was well well discussed, very well informed, and and in the end that we took together, my wife and I. So, so that was a critical part part of it because after that you're stuck with the consequences of, of losing a secure uh, revenue and uh, a pension that comes down the road that would be uh, allow us to to be very comfortable in our in our 60s and 70s and and and, and, and all of that. Uh, so that was a decision that was taken uh, together with her. the The family has been very on board. Uh, they've been very supportive of that, and I, I hope that most of the veterans that are doing it. Um, have that support. I know it's not the case, but I can say that for myself, it was a, it was a critical part of it and was part of that, uh, that, that, that decision. It was part of the decision, one of the elements to make the, make the jump, that I would have the, their support. The, on a personal note, one of the things that I'm realizing is that the Army is a very structuring organization. I'm saying the Army, but the service is very, it structures you and it gives you, it gives you a uniform, of course, it gives you a, a, a purpose. And it gives you a a sense of who you are. Uh, and It also tells you where you are in the pecking order with your rank, and and that is very that that's that's very heavy, um, but it's very comfort, comfort, comforting also. And when you leave the army, all of it goes. Not only the uniform. That's sort of the the, the all right part for me. It it was uh, a just I could dress the way I wanted, but. Uh, but that was not the most important thing. The, the, the thing that I realized is that when, when the army doesn't tell you who you are, you need to figure it out. And you need to figure out what, what is your purpose in life. And usually if you rebound or you go to a, a different job, it, it's going to sort of fill a part of that, uh, of that, of that void, exi- an existential uh, void basically. And so, uh, and so I'm realizing right now that after what, four months of leaving the army, um, I knew it was coming but I'm realizing that is, it's still there. And because I haven't found sort of that, uh, that, uh, that thread that I can say, okay, this is the new job. This is the, the, new, uh, the new project I'll be working on. It, it is, uh, I'm in the midst of an existential crisis. But one that I knew was coming and that I prepared for and that I, I embraced. And there's this, uh, I think it's Dove Baron. Um, he's, uh, I heard him on a podcast, but he was talking about, he was talking about facing the dragon's fire. And, and he, he was talking about that for entrepreneurs, basically. But that the, the dra- dragon's fire is where the is where it hurts, is where you you think you're going to die. But in in many ways, w- whether you're at war or whether you're building something new or you're going into new territories, you're facing that dragon's fire, and you need to go towards it. And it's um, once once I sort of figured out that the place where I was where it was it was. Uh, where the fear was coming from was a place I needed to go. It sort of gave me a, a new direction and new strength actually to to push through it. But it's a it's it's the way that I've sort of tried to to make sense of it and to uh and to make sense of the the anxiety that comes with just not knowing who you work for, what you work for and what your life will look like. Julian, merci beaucoup for joining us. Um,
0: I really appreciate hearing your story. It really does shine a light on the transition that our, our military personnel take to into civilian life. It's great to hear the perspective of somebody that's actually in the thick of it. I'd love to hear in the future how things are going with you. Please stay in touch uh, with, with Will and I. Will, thanks very much for, for joining. As always, with you, with me, and EY are committed to assisting military personnel transitioning from Military to Civilian Life, by virtue of the CWEP program. If you'd like more information on how to sign up as a military veteran, please visit withyouwithme.com or ey.com CA slash CWEP, or feel free to link up with Will or I on LinkedIn. Thanks very much, Jillian. Have a great day. Will, take care.
2: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Thanks.